0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Nate and Ian from SoulBit. Guys, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having us
0: thanks for having us yeah I'm excited to have you guys on the show I I think what you guys are are doing is actually really innovative and and cool and kind of fascinating to me but maybe before we kind of get into Soulbid let's get to know uh, each one of you a little bit better so Nate do you maybe want to start off and kind of give a bit of uh, a background yourself kind of where you grew up where you went to school and how you got to Soulbid
1: yeah sure yes so um, my name is Nate Raymond and I I hail from Western Massachusetts. Uh, Spends my time growing up in the, the Springfield area. Okay. Um, as I got a little bit older, I was able to venture out, you know, towards Boston, and then uh, eventually found myself in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, where I opened up a mortgage company. That was really my intro into being an entrepreneur and in the startup scene, and uh, it went really well uh, for about a couple years, and then we got taken out by the uh, the housing crash. Right. So. You know, learned some hard knocks, but I'd say I learned a lot from that. Um, you know, from there, uh, met my wife. We ended up moving to Colorado for about five years, uh, where I spent my time doing uh, corporate consulting work for Fortune 500 companies, uh, mainly around the business development arena. And uh, yeah, uh, from there, moved back. Uh, met up with Ian, and uh, we partnered up to to get Solvid going.
0: Sure. So, Ian, maybe do you want to give a bit of uh, background on yourself?
2: Sure. So, Nate and I have known each other for quite a long time. Um, I I come from a, funny an art background, and I jumped into tech uh, when I went for my uh, college degree. I went to the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and um, I started to shift my focus a little bit into uh, starting a business and starting a tech company. And I've always had a strong passion for. For building things, okay, and I um, I've been working at various tech companies uh, uh, throughout New England and New York uh, over the past few years, and I've been heavily involved with several startups and uh, business accelerators.
0: Nice uh,
2: within Western Massachusetts, where I'm from. Okay, so uh, yeah, I've just been working on Solbit and making that uh, a reality and adding all my tech efforts into the, the product.
0: Sure, that's great. So before we kind of get into Solbid, I'm curious to know, you said you guys have known each other a long time. How did you guys meet?
1: It's actually a pretty good story. Um, so, yeah. you know, this is back in high school. Okay. And uh, at that point in time, I, I decided I want to get my feet wet in the uh, e-commerce space. Gotcha. So I didn't know the first thing about computers. I mean, I knew how to use, you know, Microsoft Office, but I didn't know how to write HTML or JavaScript or anything to that extent. And I wanted a website. So, uh, me and Ian both have a mutual friend, uh, who introduced me to Ian. He's like, this is the guy that will build your website and he can show you how to do everything that you need to know to get your business running. So met with Ian, uh, he helped me get everything, you know, going and things went pretty well. It was a nice little hobby I had for a while. um, but that's really kind of how we got started was on this business relationship. So, you know, over the years, Ian and I have always been friends, but it was always friends that talked business. And that was always like the, the, the core topic of discussion every time we met up, you know, and kind of hence how Solvid kind of came about.
0: Sure. So you guys are both co-founders of the company. So was there like a defining moment or meeting where you decided to kind of do this thing together?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Nate and I had been talking about, uh, you know, working on a project for quite a long time, um, and I, I had just been coming out of a, a startup. I had worked on a peer to peer skills and um, uh, skills and exchange network, okay. and uh, it, it, we tested out the idea, and it wasn't doing too well. And we were too uh, too early to the market at one point, and uh, I had been talking to Nate. Um, about uh, working on something, and he he and I got together over uh, scotch, and we <laughs> nice. uh, started hammering out the
0: ideas for uh, Soulbid. Okay, no, very cool. So, what exactly is Soulbid, and what was why did you guys decide that there was kind of a hole in the market that you needed to kind of solve?
2: So,
1: you know, Ian and I, you know, like I said before, uh, we, we like to top shop and you know, talk about the different things that we see going on in the industries. And uh, both Ian and I have always had this kind of unique passion for renewable energy. It always seemed to come about in our conversations. And, you know, we really noticed, uh, uh, this huge boom and around 2014, early 2014, and we were talking about it, uh, particularly in the residential sector of how solar was just crushing it as an industry. And, it was it was an exciting conversation, and we were looking at it, and we started doing a little digging, and realized that wow, commercial is really kind of lagging behind. It seemed like there was a lot of complexities in, in the the commercial sector that uh, were roadblocks that the residential sector really wasn't experiencing. So you come in and see larger solar companies uh, coming out there and dominating this residential market, while this commercial market was just kind of lagging behind. Um, so really, at that moment, it kind of hit us. It was like, well, you know. With your skill set and my skill set, Ian, you know, I, we can totally get in here and we can make this an easier way for businesses to go solar uh, by kind of removing some of these complexities and these bottlenecks that we saw. So that was really the defining moment where we immediately jumped on it. And the way we jumped on it is I think it was like not even a day after we came up with the idea of what's to tackle this, uh, we noticed there was a Clean Tech Northeast uh, accelerator program Okay. that was coming out and we had like one day left to apply to it so nice. we threw our application and you know it was a complete hack I uh, got, got it in there and we got accepted to their TDP program
0: nice.
1: uh, which was phenomenal so yeah we ended up spending the the remainder of the year basically you know building out the concept and uh, basically building out the process and and kind of mapping out how our software platform should work
0: no I, I, I love that I, I think that that's that's interesting to me so you kind of obviously like um, just mentioned kind of what exactly your target market is, but how do you actually work with, you know, these companies to actually get kind of solar panels on, on their rooftops or wherever, I guess. Sure.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, we kind of take a a bit of a multi-pronged approach from a business development perspective. So uh, from our initial outreach, we have some business development folks in-house that will reach out to businesses and what we'll do is we'll do a little bit of background research on them. We'll look at the company's roof, make sure that it looks good for solar and make sure that they're in an industry that would be uh, using a lot of power for that type of building. Sorry, sorry. Reach can out I, to can them, I interrupt
0: and, you for a sec? You, you, you made something, a point interesting. Um, when you say like a roof that's made for, what does that mean? Like, what do you yeah, look So, for?
1: So there's really two things that we really like to look for. One is a, big open space okay now it doesn't have to be necessarily big but open space is, is critical there's some buildings or businesses that just have a roof that's just covered with hvac equipment or uh, it just really doesn't have any room to put the panels so you got to have priority is a place to put the solar panels
0: okay keep going
1: then with your story sorry uh yeah, no worries. So, and I just, to add to that also was making sure there's no shading obstacles. So like That's if sure, you're in downtown Boston, for example, you might get completely outcasted by a massive building next to you. So therefore we'd look for those kinds of things. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, yeah, so essentially, um, we have our direct, uh, business development channel. And then we also work with electrical contractors. So One of the unique things about our business model is we essentially handle all the desktop work of the project and then what we'll end up doing is working uh, in parallel with an electrical contractor who will physically install the components that we provide okay and also pull the electrical permit for the project so the neat thing about that is it allows us to one operate on a national perspective so we're not tied in locally based on uh, licensure, so we don't have to worry about having uh, you know a fleet of vehicles and electricians that work for us for every region that we work in. Uh, secondly, is we're providing work to existing electrical contractors that have been out there for a number of years, and they're they very very good at their trade, and we're leveraging their expertise and know-how to assist us in the implementation of these projects. Uh, and third, we actually work with them uh, on a number of different levels to where not only are we looking to them to assist us in installing our projects, but we also look to them to provide projects for us. Sure. So uh, we've found that a lot of these electrical contractors really don't want to be bothered with understanding the solar energy procurement and design and financing end of solar, which is really where we excel. So they've been leveraging us as a supplier, so to speak, who basically supplies the components, and basically gives them a, a permit-ready package from an engineering perspective. They can just take that and run with it. So that's another avenue that we uh, have been able to develop business. And then third is we look for uh, channel partners like energy brokers or uh, roofing companies or skylight companies, companies that are out there talking to the same customers that we're talking to. Uh, we we have found that uh, these folks, you know, quite a bit get asked about solar because it's this relatively within scope, even though they don't work on it. So we've been able to work with them as channel partners and generate business that way as well.
0: Got you. No, that's that's actually really interesting. So how does it kind of work? Like if I'm a contractor or I find uh, a company that wants to do this, how do I kind of go about working with you guys? Because you kind of mentioned financing. Um, do I have to pay everything up front? How does that kind of work?
1: so uh, i'll break this into two pieces so um first off uh we'll basically handle everything and it's seamless so the customer okay. comes to us and here's an electric bill we take care of the rest we can provide 100 percent financing we've found that a lot of companies like to either pay pay for the systems up front because they get a little better return you're not paying that interest rate right uh however we can do zero down 100 percent financing and get the project financed through one of our banking partners um, the biggest uh, key to this really is the software platform, uh, which Ian can talk about. Uh, that's really, uh, you know, his wheelhouse and his expertise. And that really what defines our business and what is an incredible tool that allows us to automate the majority of this process.
0: Sure. Okay. Ian, I'm curious to know, how do you kind of leverage to, like the software with kind of obviously the panels and, and kind of the business?
2: Okay, sure, yes. So the platform is, is pretty cool. Um, picture uh, Google Maps, right? Okay. So you start off with uh, a sky um, or bird's eye view of your property. Sure. And you can basically draw around the perimeter of your property, and the system can go from there. You uh, can figure out how many panels are needed within that space, Are there are any obstructions in the way preventing uh, optimal uh, solar. And uh, we also take in the utility data from the customer's uh, utility bill and we pipe that into the, the process at the same time. And what happens is the system will automatically build out a 25-year economic analysis showing them what they're going to be producing over a 25-year period, when their payback is, um, what, how many panels they're going to need. Uh, it will basically give you a complete breakdown of all the components that are needed to build this project all under uh, two minutes. Very cool. So it's, it's rapid. Um, it's, it's convenient, because um, people can go there uh, to, to the link that we provide them, and they can check it out, uh, we can, we can fine tune it, we can change the, the terms on, on, on the proposal. Uh, it's just really convenient, and at the same time, um, this, th- what I mentioned is for our end users, so if you're a customer and you want to come to solbid.com and check out uh, what Solar can do for your business, uh, we also have our in, in-house tool for our business development team. Uh, and our channel partners that allows um, us and them to uh, rapidly generate proposals. And um, you can design a solar system with our software and uh, just really, really fast, unlike a lot of the other tools out there.
0: Okay. No, that that's interesting to me. So uh, I'm curious then to know um, or dive a little bit deeper in kind of the tech side of things. So I have this sure. account, but are you pulling data into an interface um, from the actual panels as well or are you planning on doing that? Yeah. Like, how does that kind of work?
2: Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a little bit of the secret sauce that we have uh, cooking here. Okay. So, we tie into several uh, APIs out uh, provided throughout the country. Okay. One is uh, for um, rate information, okay. uh, the other is for um, sun exposure. Uh, and there's a couple other ones out there. And we, we take that data, and this is all real-time data that's provided by uh, multiple sources, and we're able to figure out, um, based on the panel requirements uh, or the, the system requirements that we're designing, exactly how much they're going to produce, okay. how much they're going to save, um, and build that into the analysis. Uh, we have the ability to toggle different components on and off. So if you wanted to use, let's say, you know, a higher... Higher-end panel that's a well-known brand versus, you know, uh, an entry-level brand that uh, just got on the market last month. We have the ability to toggle that information, so you oh, can actually see that not only the price fluctuation, but the efficiency output uh, and so forth.
0: Okay. Can you also predict like maintenance or of a panel's down? Um, the, so the
2: panels and the inverters and most of the componentry comes with a 25-year. Warranty, okay. So it's um, pretty rare. and basically, they're they're rated to last at least twenty five years. That doesn't mean that they're going to stop working at year twenty five. Sure. Um, they just it's just with like let's say solar panels, they have a, a, a glass top, and you know just like with your windshield, uh, you can have pitting and wear after a period of time, and, right. it's, and it's just not going to be as efficient later on. But they can last a very very long time.
0: Okay, interesting. And that's with any solar panel. Okay. Interesting. So, and and I don't know, maybe this is kind of a myth, but I've heard this before. Like, if a company installs kind of solar panels on their company, can they sell some of the energy that they're not using back to kind of a, a company and kind of generate revenue? Or is that kind of like a myth around the whole thing? So,
1: you know, essentially, you, you can allocate additional, uh, they call it net metering credits. okay to from a from they call it from a host account so if you're basically the host of the solar power and you over generate net metering credits you can sell those off or allocate those to another entity it just has to be within your region oh okay now but i can tell you that 99 percent of the time that we run into this uh the building's uh area of roof yeah doesn't necessarily uh equate to enough additional credits to make it advantageous to move forward.
0: Gotcha. Typically,
1: most businesses are seeing anywhere between 25 and 75% production from a rooftop system. They're not usually exceeding 100%. I
0: got you. Okay. No, that... But
1: you know, something I wanted to backtrack on a little sure. bit. So to add to Ian's last statement, um, we do have uh, the ability to monitor down to the module level Okay. Uh, within the platform. So it's not, what it is, it's really a combination of both API and third-party equipment. So it depends on the equipment that we put in. So we specify equipment that comes with a monitoring package that we can wrap into the Solbid platform. So when you're in the Solbid.com platform, you can go ahead and you can view your energy production, and then it will also give you email alerts if something's down. So let's say, you know, for some odd reason, an inverter went down. It would go ahead and would trigger a notification to your email and you could also, in that platform, be able to see each module and how much power each one is producing.
0: Okay, interesting. So how often would you generally say people check this stuff? Is it once a month, once a quarter, or they just kind of wait for an alert? Or or how do you – like it seems to me anyway, like I kind of set it up and then – if there's an alert or I need to deal with something, if it, if it just sends me an email, then I'll go look. I might check exactly. it a couple times a year just out of curiosity because I'm kind of fascinated by it or, or whatnot. But it doesn't seem like a daily kind of thing, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, so solar is almost like a set it, forget it type of system. And the really the reason behind that is there's really no moving parts.
0: Okay.
1: There's no bearings that you got to grease. There's nothing that's going to break down over time. I mean, granted, you will get degradation over a long period of time, and eventually over the course of time your inverters are filled, but you're talking about a 25-year life cycle. So um, the inverters that we choose, the, the mounting systems that we choose, and the, the modules that we choose, we're very specific on the types that we the brands that we go with because we want to have those extended warranties. Gotcha. So we ensure that you're going to have something that's going to last. I mean, there is inverters out there that have 10-year warranties on them. Um, you know, we just do our best to ensure that, hey, if we're going to give you a 10-year warranty inverter, we're going to include in the price that extended warranty for the 25-year period to give the customer peace of mind.
0: Sure. Is the fact that you, you guys mentioned you use different kind of panels and, and whatnot, do you guys have to write different software Depending on um, the actual hardware, or is it pretty similar?
2: So, based on the, it's just a matter of like changing the value in like uh, wattage and Uh, uh, the the size of the panel. Okay. And it it basically that that value gets fed into the overall proposal mechanism. Gotcha. And then you can figure out like how everything's going to end up. Okay. It's, It's pretty straightforward. Sure.
0: And then do you guys like stock a bunch of kind of panels or do you just kind of have a you know when i if i'm an installer and i have a client do you actually just send them to me do you just send them right to the building does it come through your warehouse or do you kind of have like a drop ship i guess is kind of the best way to put it
1: yeah so we totally run a drop ship uh okay. type of setup and there- So I can explain that to you fairly simply. So we work direct to manufacturer. Okay. So, you know, for example, we would get direct from the manufacturer a a truck shipment or allotment, and that would get sent to the job site. And prior to all the equipment being shipped to the job site, we would have a storage container put there. Gotcha. Uh, So you might have two or three storage containers depending on the size of the job. Sure. And they would go ahead, and we would uh, we would pay for liftgate service, and they would load the storage containers. And then we would each one of our systems comes with a with a keyed padlock. Okay. That the installer has. So really, I mean, if you think about the way they get this, it's like they get a full package. It gets drop shipped. It gets tucked away in a box with a lock on it. They have the combo to the lock. They show up, they unlock it, and they install it. Gotcha. So we try to make it as easy as possible. We'll try to give them everything they need. That's going to be on the solar side of things, they obviously will bring their own conduit, copper wire, et cetera, um, which is just your typical, you know, stuff you'd get down at the the electric depot. Um, But uh, yeah, we we make it as as seamless and clean as possible.
0: Got you. So uh, I'm curious, then you guys got through this kind of accelerator. Did you guys raise another round? Did you self fund? um, Are you guys kind of? walk me through kind of how you're funding all this or are you guys kind of profitable yet or where are you guys kind of at in that stage?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, in the, in the very start of the business, we totally bootstrapped, um, nothing but a credit card up until profitability. Nice. So I think it was, it was more of a, we, me and Ian looked at it as a challenge. Okay. Let's, you know, it's like, let's, let's see how far we can go. Right until we need to get money and we never ran into the situation where we actually needed to get third party funding, which, uh, we, we, you know, it's almost like a pat ourselves on the back, but it, you know, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of stress. Sure. Um, but we got where we're at, um, during the course of time, uh, you know, we did a couple business plan competitions, you know, never took home any sizable grand prizes or anything. Um, you know, we actually had a, an interesting moment at one point where, uh, very early on, we were uh, accepted as a semifinalist into the Miller Lite Tap the Future competition.
0: Nice. And
1: uh, we got to do a you know, so cool. We got to do a pitch, and we ended up pitching Damon John, the gentleman from the Shark Tank.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. And, you know, it was it was you know, it brought about a lot of confidence. And when we spent some time in the back talking with him, and you know, he was talking about, oh, you know, you know, we, I love solar, and what you guys are doing is phenomenal, and he, you know, it's almost like the the the, 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 the kind of whisper like you know you guys are phenomenal you know you guys should have taken this um, but uh, it was um, it was good it was it was a lot of a lot of confidence got inspired from that and you know we, we took that running uh, to develop, developing the the platform which it took some time um, given the fact that we didn't have you know a million dollars of seed funding and sure. No, sure. Uh, you know we, we we worked through it we got it done and I would say that if you compare the platform we got to uh, some of the third-party apps that are out there right now are blows it away. Um, and we we did it on Bootstrap. So we're we're pretty proud of ourselves for that.
0: Sure, and I, I think the, the thing that was interesting to me when we talked kind of a while ago is bootstrapping kind of a hardware-software startup is obviously way more complicated and hard than if you're just doing one or the other, right? And so I, I think for me, it was cool to hear that you kind of did both kind of bootstrap, right? And I I think that's pretty cool. But I'm curious to know, uh, and and I get this question sometimes, is you guys have an advisory board, and how did you guys decide who you wanted on it and kind of what do you recommend people look for when they're picking people for their advisory board?
1: So uh, I'll, I'll split this question with Ian. Sure um so it it really kind of came about i mean it was ian's the one who brought this up okay. so we first we first first started the business going and we're making moves and ian's like you know we really should look at getting an advisory board and i was like you know i i agree with you let's let's do this so now uh, the first person that we approached was actually our mentor from the clean tech nice. uh accelerator program and he was he was all about it. He's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally game on. Let's, let's do this. Um, so he was the first person we brought on. Um, and, and then Ian, uh, Ian has some amazing contacts. Um, and where he brought on, uh, some gentlemen, I'll, I'll let him kind of fill in the rest
2: here. Yeah. So I had, had some, uh, contacts from my past with working with people in New York and New England. Um, so I had, uh, uh, a gentleman, his name's Ken Appleman. He was actually uh, co-founder, uh, founding uh, co-founder and CTO of about.com. Okay. And he also cool. worked on the old prodigy services way back in the day. Yeah,
0: I remember that. Yeah. So
2: uh, I I known him for a while, and he was he was like a mentor to me for a long period of time. So I thought he was a uh, a good fit for our board. And okay. there was another gentleman who I had worked with uh, from a previous venture who was a great uh, asset and mentor. And he. He seemed like a great fit to have on our team as well. Um, and then uh, the other the other gentleman that we have, um, he, I actually work with him uh, on a regular with another project, and he he uh, just uh, adds a lot of value to what we have on our team. And it's 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 really about um, you know who you work well with. Um, you want to look for like individual uh, focuses. So. Each one of the individuals that we brought on the team has a, a specific like focus for um, what makes the company like a good a good group. So we look for like you know our tech our tech uh, guru our, our 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 financial guy our, our, our legal uh, counsel um, and, and so forth, and we we kind of brought them all together to get their like expertise in each one of those sections. Um, but not everybody will have access to that 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 pool of people, sure. so it might be a little bit more difficult. Uh, you know, somebody that's just starting up to get a team of like Avengers together, basically. Sure. No, that, um, so. So
0: you mentioned then some of them were your mentors. How did you originally get them to mentor you? Because that's another question I get asked sometimes.
2: Okay, so two out of the group that we have. Uh, so Ken Appleman, um, I had basically worked with him on a startup called Music Link okay. um, back in New York long ago. And he, you know, he had advised me on certain, like, uh, programming techniques and how to apply things for, and I had been talking to him for, for many years, kind of bouncing things off of him, and I just, I just felt like he was a great asset to have. And uh, the other gentleman, Tom Fox, uh, from my previous venture at, uh, I met him at this, uh, the Valley Venture Mentors uh, Accelerator, and he was a, a mentor for the startup that I had at that time, and he had some great feedback uh, he also has an entrepreneurial um, show where he interviews other startups. Very cool. And uh, he he was just a great guy to have on board and to kind of bounce ideas off
0: of. Okay, no, that makes sense, and so. it, it sounds like a lot of it's just kind of networking and working at different companies, right? And I I think yeah, that that makes exactly a lot of sense, right? I, I think that's that's actually really good advice. So, are you guys just planning on kind of sticking in? Um, the commercial space, are you, you going to maybe move into residential or, or kind of other kind of areas? I don't know. Like, where do you guys kind of see this going or are you going to stick just kind of in the commercial space?
1: So, yeah, we are, uh, you know, we were struggling with that very, very early on. Okay. Um, and what we came to the decision was, and we're going to stick to it, which is we want to stay in the commercial space gotcha. and there's a couple of reasons for it. Uh, you know, one, there's some big competitors in the residential space that really own the market. I mean, I think there's the obvious, right? You got NRG, SolarCity, Vivint, et cetera. Gotcha. You know, these are the people that, you know, they're getting flyers on their doors. They're getting knock- knocks on the doors. They're in the mall. You see them everywhere, really. Right. You get your phones ringing off the hook from these guys. Nobody's doing that in the commercial space. Got gotcha. you. Not necessarily those tactics, but what I mean by that is, there's not the coverage in the commercial space as there is the residential space, and the reason being is the commercial space is just more complicated. Sure, uh, you have uh, longer project cycle times, you have uh, different types of uh, service voltages for the interconnection. Okay. So, you know, you might find that each project might run a 208 three-phase. You might have a 480 volt three-phase. Uh, you might have a Y or a Delta, which will, you know, if it's a Delta, you're going to need to have a special transformer that's going to be, uh, built for the project. Um, you might actually need a transformer built for the project because you're running at 600 V. So these are the types of things, uh, from a project perspective that make it complicated. And then you have the finance issue. Uh, when you're looking at a, a residential homeowner, they have a credit score. Very, very easy to figure out whether or not someone's credit worthy. It's based on the credit score, based on an asset, and then you can go ahead and you can finance the project. In the commercial space, it's really more of a custom finance solution for each company or business. Okay. So you're you know, getting three years worth of financials, you're reviewing that, and then you're taking that to determine what's the next step or what what you need next to get the, the finance package put in place. So there's also a lot, there's a, there's a dearth of lenders out there that are Uh, financing the commercial rooftop space, uh, unlike the residential space where people are getting, you know, energy efficiency home loans, uh, you know, Fannie Mae FHA type loans that are very easy and accessible to capital. So um, we felt like commercial is really where we excel, not only because of the fact that there's not a lot of competition, but it's because of our background. So my lending company in, in West Palm Beach, we spent a lot of emphasis on commercial financing. Right. So I might be a bit of a unique person to be in this situation in, in solar because I have this finance background. So for me, I'm like, oh, financing, that's a breeze. You know, we can take care of that. And we did. So we put together a nice and easy package and a way to get things funded nice and quick. Sure. Um, we found some fantastic banking partners that we can go ahead and we can do 100% financing or 90% financing and get these projects uh, bankrolled fairly quickly. Um on the project side of things, uh through the platform and through uh our approach, we've been able to really clean that up and narrow it down and by getting a, a certain set of strategic partners working for us from a manufacturing perspective, uh we can go ahead and we can push projects up fairly quickly. So we can see, you know, pending on interconnection timelines, but anywhere between ninety to one hundred and twenty day project turn times. Uh which is fairly quick on the commercial side of things. Um, for us, uh, it's worth, it's worth the the time because the project sizes are much larger. Sure. So on a residential side, you know, they might be pushing a five kilowatt to 10 kilowatt system size. Mm-hmm. We're pushing a 50 to 500 kilowatt size. Okay, sure. So, you know, our projects are in the hundreds of thousands to millions. Gotcha. Uh, whereas, um, a residential side, you know, you're talking you know, a few grand. Sure. So, for us, it's it's a, it's a completely it's a really completely different animal, and you have to approach it completely differently. And with our with our skill set and uh, with the way we built Solbid, it's really geared towards the commercial sector, and our our game plan is to own it. So we want to be that one company that, when it comes to commercial solar, everybody knows that's the company that owns the sector, gotcha. and that's what we're focused on.
0: Okay, no, that that's that's great. I that makes a lot of sense. Is there is there something like when you guys kind of approach a company that's maybe obviously i think by now everybody's kind of heard of kind of solar as a thing and a a viable option but is there kind of common misconceptions about it or kind of hesitations that you guys hear kind of on a regular basis that are are true or maybe not true that you maybe want to kind of quickly mention because i'm kind of curious to know if there's you know anything that, because you you read stuff online sometimes, and you're like, "Well, is that true, or actually true, or not true, or is there kind of common yep. things that you could maybe prove or disprove?" <laughs> yeah,
1: there. It, it's actually kind of interesting. The the main the, the main the top three, I would say. Okay. Um, the I say the first one is fear of the solar energy system de- ruin, ruining the roof or causing leaks in the roof. Got you. So. Uh, for one, um, the majority of the systems that we do uh, typically are ballast mounted, so there's no penetrations in the roof surface at all. Okay. So we use a, uh, a roof-friendly uh, ballast tray that basically everything connects to. Um, the weight load is very low. There are 10-degree tilts, so you don't have a lot of wind load to put put, or put on the system. So there's really uh, no negative or ill effects to the roof uh, membrane that happens. So, you know... When you're looking at your slope roofs, yeah, you do have to secure those to the roof. Uh, You do have to penetrate the roof. However, um, the penetrations are completely sealed, just as if they're going to attach an HVAC system on the roof or anything else, which all these businesses already have. So it's really, I mean, these things are done by professionals. They're built by professional companies that, you know, and most of the mounts are actually made by companies or, or designed by folks in the roofing industry anyways. Gotcha. So, it's really no different than anything else if you're going to put on there. Uh, and to add to that, the funny thing is a lot of folks don't even realize it, but their their roofs are they are, have penetrations in the roof itself. Sure. Uh, like if you look at the way they do a flat roof system, they're going to roll out like a four-foot-wide roll of EPDM, and then they're going to mechanically attach that thing along the seam, and then they're going to hot weld the seam, and they're going to keep rolling it over. So it's really no different than that. Sure. Um, so from the that would be the biggest one. Uh, number 2, which is we this is one that we find to be funny. Uh, you know, are they going to blow off my roof?
0: Oh okay. Interesting. Sure. Yeah. You know,
1: okay. Yeah, and it's like, well, no. And, yeah, it, we we every these solar energy panels are these systems are all mounted uh together and you could think of like a webbing format or uh they're all interconnected. Gotcha. So you're not going to just have a single panel that's going to go flying off. Um on top of that, they're all attached securely, and they're, they're designed by engineers, professional sure. structural engineers. So these things, they're not going to go anywhere. Sure. Um, and I guess the, uh, uh, the third thing that we hear, well, it's going to get cheaper tomorrow because we keep hearing about how the pricing has come, keeps coming down. We're just going to wait. And while that, I would say that was true five years ago, um, we're at the point now where pricing really can't get any lower. I mean, margins are thin on the installation side, margins are thin on the manufacturing side. Um, I mean, unless there's some kind of crazy breakthrough on the way solar cells are manufactured, um, we're really down at the point now where i say pricing might get down a little bit, but not enough to outweigh the benefit of going today versus tomorrow from a return on investment perspective.
0: No, that... Actually, I... No, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry.
1: So I was going to say, um, actually, what you'll you'll find is that right now there's local state incentives that are available. Because solar has got to a point now where it's, it's, it's so inexpensive, those local incentives are going to start drying up. So if anything, if someone's looking to go solar, you're better off going today and using that state incentive if it's available to you because it's not going to be there tomorrow.
0: Yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. But guys, we're coming to the end of the show. So... Let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourselves and SoulBid Online. So
1: you can go right to www.soulbid.com, and on there you'll be able to find uh, access to our customer facing web platform. You'll find our contact us page, and uh, there's a way to contact us that way as well.
0: Perfect, guys. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And have a good rest of your day.
1: All right, thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Okay, bye.
0: Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.